When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On today's Conquering Heroes, we are joined by Michigan baseball coach Eric Backage. They're about to get things fired up for another baseball season this coming weekend. We'll ask him about his roster, about his pitching staff, about his coaching staff. Got some new individuals. We'll get to all that here next on Conquering Heroes. Welcome to your one-stop podcast for all things Michigan athletics. Updates on every team on campus and interviews with players and coaches are all on the way. This is Conquering Heroes. Here's your host, John Jansen. Welcome back to Conquering Heroes. I am joined, as promised, by Michigan's baseball coach, Eric Backich. And, Coach, the last time that you and I talked um, was way back at the beginning of, of the whole pandemic. And, you know, the, the, the baseball season had been put on hold. You knew that it wasn't going to happen anymore. What has the last 10 months been like for you and your players to prepare for what is to come this coming weekend is, you know, the next college baseball season? Well, hey, John, thanks for having me on. Uh, great talking to you as always. Um, you know, in uh, the last 10 months, which seems to be dominated by uncertainty and fear, and that's all you hear about if you watch TV, mm-hmm. you know, we've just tried to sh- shift the mindset with our players that, we're going to be certain that uh, we're just going to try to get better and certain on keeping a growth mindset and stop, stop thinking in terms of all negative things that could happen. And we know that college baseball will return at some point. Let's be ready for it. And let's just see if we can find a way, uh, even if the gyms are closed, even if, uh, you know, whatever the limitations may be, still finding the positive in it and finding a way to improve as baseball players, as athletes, as people, whatever, and uh, be ready. Be ready for the return. 
and the return is upon us. And I want to talk about your roster a little bit more in a few minutes, but um, just I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, you got the schedule. What is it? Uh, it's 44 games. They're all conference games, so you're playing only in the Big Ten. Um, what does that mean for you and your program to only be playing Big Ten uh, baseball games? It's just, it's just a shift in what we typically do. Typically, we have a non-conference segment in the beginning of the year and then move into 24 conference games. And keep in mind, a normal season is 56 games, so mm-hmm. there's typically 32 non-conference games. Now there's no conference zero non-conference games in the regular season but as we you know explained it to our players it's just a shift in perspective really now we're we're just playing our non-conference games in June after the regular season if we do well in conference play so uh, really it's it's now a, a situation where in previous years with only playing eight of the 13 big 10 teams uh, now you play everybody mm-hmm. and it, you know, you play some teams, you play three times, sometimes four or five times, just depending on how the schedule makers make it. Uh, there aren't any bye weeks this year. Everyone's playing every weekend for 13 weekends, starting this coming weekend, March, the March 5th weekend. Uh, so you really have no excuses. You know, we, we've, we've finished, uh, a half a game out of first place. We, we haven't won the big 10 regular season championship by a half a game, two of the last three years. And so now we feel like, hey, you know, whoever wins the Big Ten this year is going to earn it, and there's going to be no excuses as to why you did or didn't win it. Um, there's no talk of, you know, well, you did, you missed out on these teams or you had to play these teams and it was lopsided in one way or the other. It's going to be straight up, and um, whoever the Big Ten champ is is going to earn it, and they got 44 opportunities to do so. So that's, that's how we're looking at it. Uh, Michigan hasn't won the regular season Big Ten championship since 2008, so that is target number one and goal number one for us. How often do you talk about that, the goal of winning a Big Ten regular season championship with your players? Well, if, you know, if you're a participant in this conference, it just has to be something that's uh, heightened awareness, especially at Michigan. You know, That standard has been set a long time ago. And there's a bronze statue of a guy over at Schembechler who set that standard of, you know, that is number one goal of every team here. So, you know, we we are a little bit pissed that it has has eluded us in such a slim margin in two of these last three years. And so, yeah, we talk about it all the time, but we we really talk about it in terms of, uh, especially this year, how game one is weighted just as heavily as game 44. And so the importance of uh, playing one game at a time, playing pitch to pitch, being in the moment, and just understanding, you know, the uh, the importance of the opportunity that we have, uh, especially being a program that's come so close to the last three years and not achieved it. And as you mentioned, being able to play every school in the Big Ten would make this one, hey, there's no excuses. This is, you are the Big Ten champ because you played everybody um, and you put it all out there on the line. And um, when you look at the Big Ten as a whole, and I think we're seeing this now is, you know, we're seeing the success of Michigan basketball. 
but it's, you know, the success of the Big Ten in basketball carries weight when you start talking about the tournament. What type of weight does the Big Ten carry in baseball when you start talking about postseason? Big Ten, historically, John, has not been a player in the national stage like basketball and football and wrestling and volleyball and some other sports have. Um, What we're trying to do, I would tell you, is become an outlier in the conference like Michigan softball has done, like Hutch has done for the last Mm -hmm. 30 plus years. Um, And that's just simply because all the other power five does not have hockey. Uh, And so baseball is the third major men's sport in those conferences. And what we're trying to do here and what I would say some other schools in the big 10 are doing is they're fortunate to have the support of the athletic department to build a program to compete on a national stage, but the the Big Ten historically in baseball has not. But with the addition of Nebraska and Maryland and the conference expansion and the universities and the athletic departments committing more resources to their baseball programs and hiring new coaches and just keeping uh, keeping, uh, the ability to stay competitive nationally, since 2015, we have seen a surge in the competitiveness at the Big Ten level almost putting us on par with the Pac-12. You know, the SEC and the ACC are still, uh, and even the Big 12, are, are still ahead. Uh, but we have produced postseason representation opportunities, draft picks that have, have been pretty darn good. Uh, you got Indiana going to the World Series in 2013. We obviously did it in 2019. He's got more teams, more teams in the mix. You know, what used to be a conference 10 years ago that the regular season champ may not even have gotten an at-large bid. Only the team that won the conference tournament that got the AQ went to the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's that's what a mid-major is. And now we have up to five teams going to the postseason with four at-large bursts and the AQ. So the conference has really uh, taken a giant leap forward in the last five years. And uh, the Big Ten and the coaches and getting to know all these coaches even better during the during the pandemic and the quarantine, all of our weekly Zoom calls. You got a you got a highly competitive group of coaches and highly competitive group of players. And the Big Ten now in 2021 looks nothing like it did 10 years ago in 2011. And uh, I, I'm glad that you just mentioned it. I'm a little disappointed you glassed over it uh, as quickly as you did, but the run that you guys had in 2019 is a major reason why people are looking at the Big Ten differently. I know you mentioned uh, Indiana and their run back in the early 2010s, but that is is front and center in everybody's mind because that's the last College World Series that we had. Now, taking that and, and looking to the brief – season that you had last year and you know all of a sudden now you're playing 44 conference games this year your coaching staff is different the players are different what's your feel going into this all-conference slate that's starting off against Iowa this weekend as opposed to other seasons that you may have had you know more I don't know spring training more roll up more carryover from year to year is is this one really different in terms of the preparation and how you feel going into it you know, just the the uncontrollables are different. You know, the testing protocols, the, the, you know, how you go about your training, you know, playing, practicing and playing with masks on, like all that's different, but that's 
that's consistent across our conference. It may not be consistent with other conferences, but hey, that's what it is in this conference. We, we you know, we're not going to have attendance outside of family. Um, so those things, all the X factors, all the uncontrollables are different. And that's why this, this year with our preparation, the focus more than ever on just controlling the controllables and the things within our grasp of terms of development and improvement have to just be right there center stage. Um, it's so easy to, you know, to, to, to complain about, you know, how all these other schools can do this and do that and we can't, but really it doesn't matter. You know, we have 44 games, conference schedule. Uh, the mentality doesn't change in terms of, you know, wanting to be uh, improving all the time. We told the team yesterday, you know, that the, our season and our success is going to be predicated on our ability to keep improving, keep responding. Uh, and much, much very similar to the way the 2019 team did. That was not a, uh, you know, in the beginning of the year, middle of the year, even going into the end of the year, no one was looking at that team as a, uh, you know, top two team in the country, but we just, we just kept improving where our, our, we found our identity at the end, our toughness, uh, you know, the ability to get up after every time we got knocked down, those were all things that helped us take that next step. Uh, and so, uh, you know, this team, we do have a lot of depth. We do have a lot of talent. It's as, it's as good in those two areas as we've ever had. Uh, you know, our, our challenges are different. Our challenges this year are going to be in with less games and more players. How do you get everybody in there? And how do you, how do you provide the playing time people need? How do you find the harmony of a, of a lineup and consistency with so many good players? You know, in all of college baseball, that's a challenge because, Everyone has a bigger roster this year with the NCAA removing the cap of uh, what normally is a 35-man roster. There is no cap this year with the shortened draft and everyone getting an extra year of eligibility. You got a lot of players on a lot of teams and a lot of experience and a lot of depth and everybody's got it and we do too. Uh, so, you know, in, in looking at our roster, yeah, we feel really good about it, but it's also going to be the best version of college baseball that maybe we've seen in a long time with a lot of talented kids. Uh, the best version of college baseball is going to be a lot of fun because I think that's something that everybody wants to, to see, and especially when you get to June in, uh, in the College World Series. Uh, that, that's going to be exciting. But before you get there, you've got some new members of your coaching staff. I know Nick Schnabel is has been with you a long time. He's back. But Steve Merriman, your, your pitching coach, um, replaces Chris Federer, who's now with the Detroit Tigers. And Brandon Inge uh, comes in as assistant coach. What do both of those individuals, Merriman and Inge, bring to your staff and bring to Michigan baseball? A ton of professional experience in just two completely different ways. Uh, coach Merriman, having been a pro scout, a double-A pitching coach, a minor league pitching coordinator, having helped construct two biomechanics labs with two different organizations, uh, just years upon years of, of coaching and developing uh, minor league players. I mean, he was on a trajectory to be a major league pitching coach as well within the Rockies organization. Uh, and then Inge, a ton of experience as a player mm -hmm. and a 13 year major league career where, you know, it's one thing to get to the big leagues, but it's another thing to stay and make a career out of it. And he was a guy that um, there were probably a lot of players more 
physically talented than him, but he stayed for 13 years and made a career and a lot of money in this game uh, because of a work ethic, a toughness, a grit, a mindset, and just constantly learning and growing and, and adjusting. Uh, he's a guy who has reinvented himself in the big leagues to stay that long, changed positions, learned how to catch, just played the outfield, the infield, um, made mechanical adjustments with his swing. And so those are the things that he brings to our program is he's just, he, he's, he's been a part of thousands and thousands of innings of baseball and he sees things through a different lens. The game is just moving a little bit slower for him and the nuggets of information he's been able to provide our guys tips that help them compete and, and perform better have just been awesome and worth their weight in gold so far just in a month or two. So if I were to, and we're talking to Eric Backett, the head coach of Michigan baseball, if I were to ask you what was, what's the strength right now going into this, this baseball season, what's the strength of your team? What would you say? Experience, talent, pitching, um, dynamic lineup, speed and power, uh, but mostly, mostly experience. It, it's just going to be hard for a young kid to, to get in there on a consistent basis with all we, we have just to give you numbers. We have 42 players on our roster and 32 of them are not freshmen. Uh, so we have 13 seniors, uh, which is the most by far we've ever had. We typically don't have very many seniors because we have a lot of juniors that get taken in the draft. And so to have 13 seniors this year, including five graduate transfers, just provides us with a, a level of, of experience and age and depth and just college baseball know-how. You know, they just know what they're doing. They, the game's moving slow. They don't make the rookie mistakes. So it's all of that. Um, but it, it, it all comes down to experience and not having those youthful, not that we, we won't make mistakes because we will, but we won't make as many of those youthful growing pain mistakes that you see throughout a season. Ben Sams is is one of those grad transfers that you mentioned. He's coming over from Kansas. When you are looking at your roster and you're looking at you know those that are in the transfer portal or grad transfers, what are you what are you trying to identify? Is it you know filling holes in in whether you need it on the staff or you need a shortstop or you need a catcher or are you just looking for guys that maybe they add those intangibles to your team? Yeah, transfers for us, uh, it, it's exactly what you just said. They're hole fillers, they're gap pluggers. You know, when, when we have a, a, June, a June draft or a July draft now that we have a lot of, of juniors taken. So, you know, like in 2017, we had 11, 11 players selected in the draft. And last year in a five-round draft, we had, we had four players drafted and then three more signed uh, undrafted free agent contracts. So when, when we have these types of losses, which are great, you know, it, it means the players are doing well, they're developing well in our program, but um, it creates a need. And we don't want to bring in transfers just for added depth uh, to, to sit the bench. It's, it's where we've identified there's a, there's a certain need that we need to fill. So Ben Sims, like you mentioned, um, is a, is a shortstop and a very accomplished one with an all big 12 performer at Kansas was a Cape Cod all-star. And when we lost Jack Blomgren in the fifth round last year, that presented a need that we needed to fill uh, for shortstop. And uh, Ben is a highly skilled player and 
can feel really good about him securing the middle of the infield at shortstop. Uh, any other names uh, in, in terms of position players? We start before we talk about your pitching staff um, that you think are poised to have, whether it's a big season at the plate, uh, great gloves in the in the in the field. Any position players that that you think are poised to have a big year? Yeah, I, I think there's quite a few. I mean, we have some returning starters from years past that I, I do think uh, have an opportunity to. You know, they've had another birthday. They've had another year in the program. They're, they're a year better uh, with Chris Bullock out in center field, Riley Bertram at second base, Teddy Burton is a returning starter from last year, Jimmy Overtop started last year, Clark Elliott started last year. So you got those guys who have been inside of our program. Uh, and we, we will always build our program on high school players and developing those high school players. But to get some transfers in here that can make an immediate impact, you know, Joe Donovan signed with the Indians as an undrafted free agent and getting a couple of, of grad transfers at the catcher position in uh, Griffin Mazur and Christian Malfetta. Griffin's from UC Irvine and Malfetta's from Stanford. Uh, and Griffin is a hell of a catcher, uh, outstanding receiver back there, accurate thrower. Uh, we've been pleasantly surprised with the offensive production that he has shown this year so far. And has a chance to hit in the middle of the order. Christian's a guy that can also catch, but he can also play the infield and the outfield. He's a Swiss Army knife, super utility guy, and uh, he'll be out there quite a bit as well. So uh, the the grad transfers have certainly uh, been been huge additions to our program, and then the guys that have that have been patient inside of our program as well. Excited to see them and and how they perform this year as well. Uh, you mentioned that there's no off weeks. You're going straight through, and so that means you know when you when you're playing, uh, you know your weekend staff. There's not going to be a lot of time to recover. What's your your pitching staff look like? And and I've got to ask you about one guy because every, when I was getting ready to 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 do this interview with you, I'm looking up on all the different websites of you know players to keep an eye on. And there's some you know obviously you mentioned a lot of those players already, but Stephen Hajar. His name keeps popping up as a great prospects for the big leagues, but to have a big year. Tell us a little bit about your staff and, and give me some more insight into what Stephen Hajar, what makes him special. Sure. Yeah, so we have 21 pitchers on our staff this year, which is a lot. Normally we carry anywhere from 14 to 16. This year's a little bit unique because all of our games are going to be on a weekend. You know, normally you can bring some pitching along, give them opportunities to pitch in those normal midweek games on a mm-hmm. Tuesday or Wednesday. Those aren't happening this year. So uh, our pitching, you know, it's been a little bit different of how we're going to set that up. But regardless, you still have a starting rotation. And so we're looking at a four-man rotation this year, which is different than years past, which is a, you know, a typical three-man rotation in college baseball. But the Hadger, Steve Hadger certainly is a uh, – is a, is a headliner, and he's earned that uh, with his development. He's a kid who was got injured playing basketball. He's a heck of an athlete. He was doing a, you know, reverse 360, you know, windmill dunk, playing pickup basketball uh-huh. before the season and came down funky and tore his ACL his freshman year, which is the 2019 season. But he was poised to be in our weekend rotation. Uh, we had Chriswell, Jeff Chriswell, slotted to be uh, a, like a closer type of a role. 
And, uh, and luckily, Jeff had built himself up and was able to convert to being a starter very easily. Uh, but we weren't sure if, if Hadger was going to be a closer or a starter. He was that talented as a freshman, kid that was, you know, pumping up to the mid-90s from the left side, 6'5", big kid, physical kid, 225. And so that was a disappointment uh, to lose him for that year. And he just, he, he, he rehabbed with a vengeance, came back stronger, and earned uh, a role in our rotation last year as the Saturday starter behind Jeff Criswell. And uh, his coming out party was against Arizona State. Mm-hmm. And Arizona State, for all the Tigers fans, you know, Spencer Torkelson was the headliner on that Arizona State team, which was the Tigers' number one pick last year in the draft. And, and Hadger threw uh, a shutout against them. I think he ended up pitching six innings, six or seven innings of, uh, of no-run baseball against one of the most uh, powerful lineups with that Arizona State lineup. They had a bunch of draft picks, uh, including Torkelson and, and, and a few others. And he was just three pitches for strikes. And fastball, breaking ball, changeup. And that was really that everyone got to see, the world got to see what he was all about. And uh, he had some other quality starts again, you know, later as we went through those first four weeks of the season before everything was canceled in early March. But, you know, he was a guy that had Team USA played last year. He was set to make Team USA. You know, he was just, he, he had just jumped onto that national stage, just burst onto the scene as, you know, one of the elite pitchers in college baseball. And uh, he's a guy whose care level is extremely high. He's always looking for ways to improve. And uh, he's poised to have a big year. I mean, he's you know he's he's very very competitive. Um, he's uh, he's a guy that you know he's not lacking anything. He's got the stuff. He's got the toughness. He's got the competitiveness. Um, he's a guy that you know as a coach as a coach you you sometimes have to tell him to turn that warrior dial down a little bit, <laughs> which is you know you'd rather have that than always have to turn a guy up. But yeah, yeah he's yeah. Uh, he's super competitive. Great kid. Northeastern kid from Massachusetts and uh, just brings that Northeastern toughness to to our program and he'll set the tone on Friday night for us. You mentioned you're going to a four-man rotation um, and for, for any baseball novices, which I include myself in that, instead of the three-man you know man rotation where you mentioned the, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, um, if you're only playing on weekends, why go with the four-man rotation? Um, is that for development? Is that to save arms? What's what went behind the, the decision to make that happen? Well, the first three weekends, we play four games a weekend. That's all. Oh, so, okay. Again, Iowa's Simple. a four game. Yep, Iowa's four games, Purdue's four games, and then our first weekend at home is two games against Illinois and two games against uh, Sparty. So, you know, we have to have a four-man rotation. And then after that, we have a few weekends of three, three games. Uh, so we'll have flexibility. We can either uh, just pick three of our starters uh, or we can split one of the games with two of our starters and save our bullpen. So we'll we'll have to be strategic and tactical with that. But um, but yeah, that's what we're looking at doing. And our rotation, you know, the four guys that have emerged, um, obviously Hadger, which we just talked about. Cam Weston is a sophomore this year and extremely talented. He pitched a, a, a significant amount in a shortened season last year. Jacob Denner is a left-hander, sophomore as well, that pitched a significant amount. Both he and, and Cam uh, were were mostly in relief. Cam made a couple of spot starts 
think he started against Stanford and he was uh, set to start one of the games against uh, Canisius before our season got shut down. Uh, and then Blake Beers. Blake Beers was a starter. He's a senior in our program. He could have signed professionally as a non-drafted free agent last year. He came back. Uh, he had earned the Sunday rotation spot last year. Um, and uh, so he'll be in our weekend rotation as well. Uh, so we feel really good, you know, about those guys. And um, we get a couple of All-Americans back, guys who are freshman All-American that we, we've missed the last couple of years. Uh, ben Dragani was a freshman All-American in 2018. Missed 2019 with Tommy John surgery and was set to come back last year after the season got shut down. But obviously that that put a delay in things. And then Willie Weiss was a freshman All-American as a closer in 2019. And uh, and he had some, you know, just some elbow soreness uh, last year where he didn't pitch in those first 15 games. Uh, and so he's back. And so. You know, those guys, along with other guys who have started in our program in the past, like Isaiah Page and uh, Angelo Smith and, and Walker Cleveland. And, you know, I mean, gosh, we could we could I'm, I'm going to leave out a million people because we have 21 pitchers. But we feel really good about the, the veterans that are returning from a pitching standpoint. We're excited to see them all take the mound. We're excited to see you guys take the field. Um, and I just, honestly, I just want to hear baseball um, coming through the radio or, or watching it on TV. So we're excited. Best of luck. And before we let you go, as we talk to Eric Backage, Michigan's baseball coach, um, we also talked um, at the beginning of this uh, pandemic, one of the things, and I, I can't remember if it was actually before it happened, but you had proposed or you were part of a group of coaches and, and administrators that had proposed a new baseball model that would bump the season back. And there were a lot of intricacies to it, but where do things stand in that? Um, and because I know there's a moratorium, but with what we're going through right now, in the fact that you are playing only Big Ten games, all those teams in the North are still going to have to travel. I know expense is a major reason for the, you know, or limiting expense. Is what's going on now going to help your case moving forward? It has to, John. You know, college baseball just operates at, at such an enormous financial loss. You know, there's only a handful of teams nationally, even some of the juggernaut programs down south only a handful of teams that operate in the black most of most college baseball teams operate at a net loss and this is just something in the world that we're in now where cost containment is is a phrase you hear constantly and it's smart because every every program every athletic department everyone every university everybody's doing a, a self-audit of how can you you know what are the tweaks that you can make using you know with this pandemic where you have to now because you know, the revenue isn't quite as much, where can you save in other areas? And this is where proposing this, this, this concept of pushing the season back, which is nothing new. People have been talking about that forever, but it's always been under the, the framework of competitive equity and what, you know, and nobody cares about that. But now that you, you put the rationale a hundred percent behind saving money or making money for some schools, as well as, improving the academic welfare and the student athlete welfare in terms of ramp time for a season, you know, now you got a three pronged approach that's, that's pretty loud if you just take a look at it. And so very simply, 
all the northern teams, not just Big Ten, but half the country. Mm-hmm. When you start the college baseball season around Valentine's Day, you got people that are spending a ton of money to have to travel, get on airplanes, stay in hotels, meal money, buses, etc., for four weeks of a season. Where and for us, you know, our travel budget—that's we're incurring huge, huge expenses to uh, to travel to these places to play. The Southern schools, even some of the big, big, big programs in the SEC and ACC, you know, their actual attendance is is nowhere near in February, and March, nowhere near what it is in April and May because mm-hmm. basketball season, and it's basketball season, and the general college fan can only divide their attention so many places, mm-hmm. and it's also colder in some of those places, even in warm, typical warm weather climates, it's still cold in February, and you see it every year. You see, you know, cancellations and adjustments and you know, just get, we just need to get the college baseball season out of the month of February, have a little bit more of a divide between basketball and baseball. And I think what you'll see is you'll see some of those bigger programs will have better revenue streams with more games in, in April and May as opposed to February and March. You'll see some of the northern teams not have to incur as many expenses traveling all these places. And regardless, it's an improvement, whether you're north or south, it's an improvement on the financial bottom line and the contribution you can make to your athletic department. And our sport is just, you know, we have a lot of initiatives in our sport. We want more scholarships than just the 11.7 that we have for 35 guys. We want a better student, student to coach ratio. You know, we only have, we only have three full-time paid uh, paid coaches and one volunteer assistant coach so we want another assistant coach uh, but none of that's going to happen until we can show our our athletic department and our athletic director and the folks in the business office you know that you know that a little bit more of a financially sustainable model and that's just an opportunity for growth for all of college baseball to move the season back uh, and it's not a one-size-fits-all but it is a one-size-fits-most and it, uh, it would help a lot of people out. It would. And, and speaking from a fan's perspective, um, to be able to back that up, and like you mentioned, you can only divide your attention between so many different sports as a college sports fan with everything going on. And you pair that you know, for Michigan with the success that Hutch has had on the softball side of things. Um, obviously, you guys are going to be going at the same time, but you've, you've got to pick and choose. And it's just, it, it makes all the sense in the world. And it doesn't seem like a huge sacrifice to just move it a couple of weeks. What is the major detractor um, in regards to making it move? Is it just tradition? Hey, this is the way we've always done it. So this is the way we have to do it. You know, it's just change. You know, the, the, the world is slow to change. And so it's just different. And it just takes, takes some people just an adjustment period. Um, if, you're a, if, you're a, if you're a cold weather school, it's a no-brainer because you're saving money. Mm-hmm. So you're losing less money. If you're a big-time Southern program, it's a no-brainer because you can actually produce more revenue with your, your actual attendance in the warmer climates, your, your concessions, your, you, you know, your merchandise, all the things in a big, in a big weather school, if it, or a big, uh, big school in, in a warm climate, the, the people that are struggling with it are the small schools in the warm climate where it doesn't matter when they play, they're not going to get attendance. Mm-hmm. They're not paying large financial guarantees for these, you know, Northern teams to, to come in and, and play them. Uh, and they're just looking at, you know, the cost 
Because if whatever you at whatever you delay the season by, that could be for schools that are on the semester, or that will be a cost to house your freshmen in the dorms to keep them for you know four extra weeks. Right. And all of those costs that when we talk to the majority of college baseball, those costs of those four weeks of of being in the dorm and feeding your guys for your freshmen, feeding your team and keeping your freshmen in the dorms, somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty to thirty thousand dollars is what it would cost extra. Which for most programs, for northern programs, that's an easy one because you spend way more than that traveling the first four weeks. Mm-hmm. For the southern schools that are the big, big programs, that's an easy one because they got a chance to make more than that in the additional attendance and revenue streams they're creating. But for the small Southern schools who have nothing to offset that 20 to 30,000, that's a real number. And it, yeah, it's not insurmountable, but some of them are looking at it saying, you know, we can't, we can't come up with that. So that's why it's not a one size fits all, but it is a one size fits most. Yeah. Well, coach, I appreciate it. And, um, the one thing that I know all Wolverine fans are looking forward to is seeing your team take the field, uh, this coming weekend against, uh, Iowa down in Texas. And, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave with this question. How excited are you and your team to just compete against somebody else? It's basically been a year where you've been having, you know, inner squad scrimmages and you've competed with yourself. How excited are you guys to actually see a different color Jersey and just get this season going? I don't know if there's words to describe it, John. I mean, we just <laughs> think everyone would pay 100 bucks to play Iowa today in Texas. So, you know, it's just uh, we just can't wait to get down there. Well, travel safe. We look forward to hearing about it, uh, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, John. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to Conquering Heroes with John Jansen. Conquering Heroes is part of our Michigan Athletics Podcast Network. M Go Blue Podcasts. The preceding is a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Michigan Sports Network.